What's up and welcome to the Crude Oil Podcast, a weekly uncensored Edmonton Oilers podcast with your hosts, Sean and Greg. It's episode 15 of the Crude Oil Podcast. Welcome back. Uh, how you doing, Sean? I'm doing good. I'm How's tired it? for some reason, but I'm doing good. No hangover today? No. Sick. That's, that's the benefits of doing it on a Monday instead of a Sunday. <laughs> Not that I was hungover yesterday, but it, it would have been it would have been nice. What'd you get up to this weekend? I went to the zoo. That's actually pretty <laughs> sick. It's pretty sick. It's not as fun as what you got up to this weekend. But yeah, we went to the, the Badlands of Toronto uh, for the first time. I've never been, but uh, uh, yeah, we went there for a couple uh, G's games. Honestly, we went there for Tom Segura. And like the idiots we are, we, we bought the tickets. And then literally like two weeks after we bought the tickets, he announced his show in Edmonton. How does that make you idiots? You wanted to go I, see I him? Guess, He's yeah. the one who fucked you guys over. You should have been booing That's, in the crowd the whole time. <laughs> Yeah, he uh, he did sewer Edmonton women uh, in Toronto. He said there's a bunch of good-looking uh, ladies in the crowd, not like Edmonton. He said if you've ever been there, so so fuck you, Tom Segura. Um, <laughs> that's how we'll start things off. I both yeah. hate and love you, Tom. <laughs> we got to go see the uh, uh, Hockey Hall of Fame, which was uh, pretty sick. Uh, I know I... <laughs> Like, going with my fiance there, she she probably wanted to leave a lot earlier than I did, but it's really cool. It's really cool to see some of the stuff in there. Were you stopping at, like, every exhibit and just, like, reading the details of everything? Uh, there, or just everything Oilers-related? And, and, like, being the, the jersey geek and the aesthetics, like, stuff that I love about hockey, they had a bunch of displays about the jerseys. So, at least she could get behind that and we could, you know, sit and... Um, admire jerseys so uh, i don't know there's a lot of really really cool stuff there but well that's something at least yeah got to see uh um my my mom's uncle played for the detroit red wings he won two cups with the uh, wings in the 50s um so got to see his name on the cup it was pretty cool uh metro Presti. he had a i don't know i think he bounced around between chicago and and detroit nothing of a uh career to note but two stanley cup rings that's nothing shabby hey and also a great name yeah exactly. can you say that again mitro Presti. oh that's so cool yeah <laughs> i wish that was my name god <laughs> yeah so um we uh we didn't get fucked over by pearson i know i last time on the podcast i, I sewered them um they heard and they they were yeah like, they, greg's coming we really got to improve today yeah two and a half two and a half hours two and a half minutes to get through security Okay. So they That's like in and out, in and out. I don't know if that speaks to the efficiency of it, but uh, or the <laughs> whatever they're catching. Maybe they actually hired people because That's, yeah, they were so short staffed last time. And they're like, okay, we're getting the worst PR. I've heard this is the worst um, airport in all, the entire world, if yeah. not North America. So they get, had to figure their shit out. <laughs> yeah. So that was uh, that was the experience there. With that being said, I didn't catch uh, much of the stuff going on in Penticton, but. Uh, um, just looking at some of the highlights from the, the first couple games that they they uh, they had there, they look like they're having fun over there too. Like yeah, well, winning all three games for anybody. <laughs> we're just doing this immediately after the Vancouver game ended, and they just won five to two, which is three awesome. Yeah, yeah. So and they the first game was pretty close. Second game was just a stomp mm-hmm. completely. Yeah, and like I didn't get a chance to watch that game, but I did watch the highlights of it. And the one Flames goal, it should, looks like it should have been goalie interference too. And it makes me wonder if they were allowing like anything like that in terms of like being able to challenge that if the mm. refs don't catch it. And watching that replay, it would make me think that they didn't. So 
who knows? They could have beat him four nothing. But from all the comments I was reading, it could have been like seven or eight nothing if it wasn't for Dustin Wolf in uh, the Calgary's or the Calgary's the Flames net. Yeah. So, but overall, like I know you didn't get a chance to watch anything with mm-hmm. it yet. Like my main takeaway is that both Broberg and Holloway look to be very ready. That's good. To play. That's good news. Because essentially going into that tournament, right? Yeah. You don't expect those guys to struggle by any means. They right. should stand like head and shoulder above everyone else, at least the vast majority of the guys. And they didn't disappoint. And there was a lot of other players that I thought showed up quite well too. Um, Michael Kesselring in the first yes. game. Yeah. He played fantastic. Yeah. He was really noticeable, and that's the hardest part is to be noticeable in those games for the right reasons, hopefully. that's Yeah, that's true. Um, I can't remember what his first name, but his last name's uh, Philp, I think. Yeah. He was looking pretty good. Um, I'm excited to see what he can do because we're going to need some center depth eventually. Mm-hmm. So some of the young guys have to come in. And, like, Borgo played really well. I don't think he's quite ready. When but... is that guy going to be ready, though? Like... Well, I think, first of all, he just got out of junior, so he needs a year in the AHL, true. I think. I think the way he, he's really fucking fast though yeah there was a few times where they dumped the puck in and you just see you're like who is that and he just flies by everybody going for the puck like i wonder though if uh just the developmental piece of this like i wonder if he's gonna be surpassed by guys like uh savoy or tulio like down the line i don't think borgo would no no like he's well first of all he's only like 19 20 i guess and Who am I thinking of? Then? I think you're maybe thinking of Raphael Lavoie. That's the one. He yes. wasn't playing because yes. he played in the NHL last yes. year for a whole year. But uh, Lavoie, yeah, I could see him maybe getting that, past because like me. Savoy exactly looked pretty good thinking. too. Yeah, um, and Tulio looked okay. I'm just trying to think of who else that I really noticed. Um, I think that's pretty much it. Oh, James Hamblin. That's the other one yeah. that I I saw a lot of rumblings about on Twitter. Yeah, yeah like he's small, but. He is fast, and he is on the puck hard, and I really like the way he was playing, from what I could tell. Yeah. So I'm excited to see. He's, from what I could tell as well, reading people's comments, they think that he's likely one of the first call-ups after, like, Holloway. Okay. Which would make sense, because if you think about it, and, like, maybe it'd be, like, McKaig or some of the, like, those guys that they signed. I don't know if Shore will go down and they can call him up, but... I think in terms of injuries, he would be one of the first ones I would want in the top nine. Yeah. But they do. Edmonton does have a lot of center depth, so it's very possible that he won't make it in this year. So, And hmm. that's the one thing. You look at those uh, the rosters that they had. Their wing depth in that tournament was fantastic. Yeah. Because they have Holloway, they have Borgo, they have Tulio, like you meant. Or like you mentioned, they have... Uh, Schaefer. Reed Schaefer. That's yeah. who I was about to say. Yeah. Um, like, they have all these guys. Yeah. Like, their top nine Petrov. are all pretty good. Yeah. Petrov, yeah. Like, these good wingers. And then their centers, though, is, like, where you had Hamblin and Philp, and you're like, oh, what happened to Edmonton's center depth? Yeah. But it's because we have McDavid, Drysaddle, Nuge, and McLeod all up in the NHL now. So it's a great problem to have. Yeah. Because in a perfect world, none of those guys are going anywhere in the next, like, 10 years. So. Um, I was going to ask, maybe it's a product of me just getting fucking old. But, like, every time I see Reed Schaefer, like, did I say Reed Schaefer? Reed Schaefer? It sounds like, sounds like, he looks like, holy fuck, it's a Monday, man. Yeah, what's wrong with you? (laughs) This is why we record on Sundays. Um, No, and that was my fault. Uh, Reed Schaefer, he just looks like a little boy. He really does. Like, he looks like a little kid. 
It, it's, I don't know. Well, to be honest, most of the guys that we took, like, just remember drafting Nuge. He still kind of looks like a child sometimes. Yeah, that, yeah. But I, I see that. It's really nice to see, though, like, also, our more recent picks, like Schaefer, playing on, like, the third line in a tournament like that mm-hmm. because he's not the best player there because we have two, three years of draft picks who are playing in that tournament. Yep. So he doesn't need to be, like, the number one ace guy at a tournament like that. Yeah, yeah. So um, maybe not great in terms of um, him getting to show what he can do, playing with lesser line mates and things like that. But mm-hmm. I think it was still it was still great and fantastic to watch. Um, I think it kind of speaks to the the team that's you know under Tyler Wright's wing now is just the the scouting development. Like the Oilers have made a lot of solid depth picks in the past few years, and it's starting to show. Oh, it's true. I'm I'm very excited to see who in the next like three years or so steps up on those entry level contracts and is able to make a difference because this year all eyes are on Holloway to see what he can do. Mm-hmm. So I do want to make one more comment on okay, this. Okay. So watching that first game, it was the most amateur hour production I've ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> so for the first five minutes of the game, or when the game first started, they had the um, anthem. Yeah. So they had it split into four screens. So it was like, here's the regular ice view watching the game. Here's like a zoomed in view, one of the different camera angles you'd see in the NHL. Here's like the two teams who are playing against each other, just their logos. And then they had a video of the person who was singing. Huh. So when that one closed, yeah. there was then three screens and then the big feed in the back, like in the background, is kind of like all these screens overlaid on each other. They forgot to change it. Oh my so the God. first five minutes go by, you have these three different screens on your on your screen with the big one in the background and you're trying to watch and follow what's happening. Fuck. So that was garbage. And then that's not even to get into the announcers. So Jack Michaels was doing it, okay. which was good. But was it Cam Cook? Who I don't even the guy know. guy from Red Deer. What, what's his name? Anyways. Was he doing the color? I don't know. I don't know. I just heard the, the end of the game and it sounded like him, but I could be wrong. Oh, well, it might be. I was going <laughs> to get to that then. Um, so Jack, like, he was doing good, but the mic they gave him can't yeah. handle the, like, different changes in volume that he was doing. He kept blowing the mic whenever he would get excited. You like know clipping? how he gets? Yeah. Jesus. And it just, like, sound like he's going to blow your speakers. And then the color guy. I didn't catch his name. Yeah. It was so painful. <laughs> first of all, his mic was, first of all, twice as loud as Jack's. Oh, man. So whenever he would talk, it would, like, scare you. It'd be so loud. His mic was even worse for clipping. It was so fucking loud. Oh, my God. So it felt like it was going to blow your speakers. And he sounded so nervous. Like, it sounded like I was doing color commentating for the first time in my life. And, like, I don't do it, so I'd be super nervous. I'd be, like, slipping over my words sometimes. Maybe he was trying to avoid saying um and stuff too hard, and, like, it would make him freeze on other words. But it was pretty painful. And what was the one thing my uh, roommate pointed out? He kept putting emphasis on weird words. Hmm. Like, when he was going through a sentence, he'd be like... I'm trying to think of an example. Like, like Holloway was really in there on the play and, like, just putting, like, emphasis on the weirdest choices of words. It just felt so amateurish. <laughs> and, like, all I could picture was Jack sitting there just like, oh, my God, what the fuck is happening here? Well, it's weird because, like, I understand that, and that's coming from a guy who's done color in, well, he did the whole show in Alaska, but um, I, I, they have to figure it out. Like, even football, I get it, it's preseason and stuff. Like, we have to have some production. There used to be preseason games on TV yet. I guess this is rookie camp. I should yeah. go ahead and get ahead of it. See, I'm, I'm sitting here yeah. calling it amateur hour, yeah. but it's literally amateur, amateur hour. hour. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, that it's probably like it. some high school students they hired to do that production or something. <laughs> yeah. Like, 
UBC. So I don't want to be too judgmental as much as I just said because I'm understanding that it is probably amateur hour to a degree. But I just thought it was funny. And I was like, I don't even want to watch this because it's so bad. We were looking, trying to find other streams and shit, and we couldn't find anything. Oh, um, Yeah, speaking of uh, commentating, it was announced that Jack Michaels and Louis DeBrus get all 82 games this season, which is pretty fucking Does exciting. that include national games? So it'll be... Uh, I think they're all streaming on Sportsnet. Mm-hmm. Um, so even when there's a national feed, there's also going to be a regional feed. Then I don't. Yeah, that, that's a good question because the way they worded it, the way they worded it in uh, the article kind of made it sound like they are. But so for those of you who also didn't see our, our tweets, um, Jack Michaels cannot work for Sportsnet doing like that's that's the reason that uh, he can't do playoff games is he's a he's an employee for OEG, so. Um, although we love it and we were on the bandwagon this, this past uh, postseason where we wanted him to be announcing the games, until they get something figured out contractually, he can't do the game, like national games. So um, I'm intrigued to see if that's changed this, this year. So I have no idea. Well, I would hope that they would do something considering the, I'll say, outcry of people who really wanted him. Yeah. At least for the first round. Yeah. So He's an untapped talent. Like... He's one of the best broadcasters in. Well, in if the you league. ask some people, he's a little bit too over the top. <laughs> if there's one thing I've heard from, especially like uh, national games where he's yeah. doing them, a lot of people either love him or they hate him because they think he's too much. Ah, I mean, he's not like the the dickhead in uh, Boston. What the fuck's his name? Jack? Is it Jack something? Uh, it's Jack Edwards. Is it? Edwards, yeah. yeah. He's I, was like, uh... I keep wanting to say Michaels. I was like, no, it's not that one. <laughs> Yeah, uh, he's not a homer from that perspective. He is a very production-esque performer. Jack Edwards is the worst. I'll say it. If you don't want to say it, I'll say it. Oh, Jack Edwards? Yeah. Oh, yeah. But Jack Michaels, yeah, he's very... He just gets very up and down with the game and the flow and helps you get into the game, in my opinion. He he was a tough listen to on the radio. I didn't love him on the radio. Was he not descriptive enough? So the one, one, like, immediate memory that I had... uh, I was walking home from class from the LRT, and of course I can't watch the game, so I'm listening to it on the, the radio. And uh, I, I'm listening to it, and you can hear the fucking play going on in the background. Like, the puck's hitting the boards, like, skating, and he's talking about, like, what he had for breakfast. Yeah. I'm like, dude. He does do that sometimes yeah. still. He d- will just, like, go into a casual conversation about something with Louie. Yeah. To be like, so what do you have for breakfast, Louie? But, but on TV, it's a different story, right? You can see what's going on when it's, yeah. it's different. When story, you so. need lots of description yeah. in radio. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. I noticed when he first switched over, he was super, super descriptive. And you could definitely tell that he was, like, a radio guy. Yeah. And like, because it'd always be like, uh, McDavid gets the puck on the left hand boards, passes it across the dry side on the right side, and just like always, like was saying where the play was instead yeah. of just like describing who had the puck, which is more of the TV kind of thing, I guess. He he has a fascinating story, like with him uh, working in Alaska. He was the one man like crew. Had he did the color, yeah, did the color, the play by play, and I think it it kind of shows in in his uh, broadcast today. Yeah. Tries to keep all sides of it going at the same time. He's trying to do play-by-play, and then in the dead air, he wants to be part of the color sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So excited to see him uh, uh, him back again with Louis. Uh, love Louis DeBrusque. Um, yeah, so uh, just jumping into some of the other things going on right now, uh, we have to talk about the Evander Kane settlement, um, yes. which has gone down. Sounds like a handshake agreement. Kind well, of. as long as Edmonton doesn't lose a draft pick or something for it yeah. out of nowhere, 
probably three months down the line, this will be figured out. And they're like, oh, yeah, by the way, we're taking your second rounder. Do you notice how Edmonton's getting fucked over on all these rules that exist? That's that's like, that's the joke. Yeah. Yeah, I, like, it's so stupid with the GM one and then the head coach one, then the James Neal thing. Like, it's just, it's a bunch of bullshit. But fingers crossed, it sounds like there's not going to be anything like that. Pretty much San Jose is just It's just a top-up, right? They're, yeah, it, they're pretty much paying the top-up over last year plus the next four years, whatever, however length this contract is. And all of the cap hit penalty is retroactive on San Jose to last year. Oh. So they have no cap hit penalty going forward. So it's very confusing. Yeah. But as I understood it, that's essentially how it works. Is like they took the difference between the contract last year, what we signed him to, and what it was supposed to be. Yeah. As well as what we just signed him to to the last or the next four years of his contract. Mm-hmm. Added it all together. Added it to their cap hit last year. So I think they just kind of like let's just put it behind us. You pay the money up to this new amount or whatever, and then we just move on. Interesting. So I find it weird that you can do a retroactive cap penalty, yeah. but yeah. that's at least what I was reading. Whether or not that's 100% the case, don't quote me on that, mm-hmm. because I read like three articles about it, and then I forgot about it again, because <laughs> I've been all over the place this week. No, no, it. Uh, that's basically the gist of what I read, too, is just it's essentially just the difference between what he was making on his prior contract and what Edmonton's paying him, so um, I didn't know anything about that cap situation. Uh, I'm just glad it's over with. But, yeah, I'm like you. Like, what's waiting in the weeds for us? Are we going to get anything of a penalty in a couple months or whatever? But, um, yeah. Um, that pretty much settles it for the Evander Kane stuff. Um, we'll jump into some of the hot topic buttons. Oh, you have something. Sorry, I just wanted to say one no, thing. I, no. found, I found the sentences that I was looking for. Okay. So, and this is just from a source. An NHL source believed the settlement will generate a cap hit that will be retroactively applied to the 2021-2022 shark salary cap okay. to make up the difference between, I think it's about $2.5 million between the $19 million he's owed and the sixteen point five he's making on the Oilers' um, first three years of the contract. So that's essentially what it boils down to. Okay, that makes sense. All right, um, let's dive into this stuff. It's going to... It's going to ruffle some feathers, but we got to talk about the PTOs that were signed today. Um, Who do we cover first? Let's go Jason Demers because I I don't know. What do you want to do? I mean, we'll, we'll just start with Jason Demers because sure. it's the more boring of the two. <laughs> um, I'm okay with it. Yeah. It's a PTO. No threat to the team in terms of cap hit right now. Yeah. Um, if he shows up to camp and does really well, I could see him beating out, like, getting a contract at league minimum 750. Um, he has the advantage of being right-handed. We've went through that in the past. Um, and essentially the biggest reason why I think they might actually sign him, assuming he shows up to camp in shape and plays decently, is that outside of our main roster, the main three that we have in Bouchard, CC, and Barry, yeah. we have no right other righties beside yeah. rookies, which yeah. is like Deharnay, Kesselring, and Phil Kemp. Yeah. So they might want a veteran to have there just in case and maybe even just a veteran down in the hl he might even sign like a two-way contract or something so he can not play in the khl like he did last year i I think it it creates a little bit of healthy competition with the guys that you had mentioned like broberg like he's expected to come to camp ready but you add in another veteran yeah like it's putting some pressure on these spots which is something we haven't seen in a while well broberg's really gonna have to show up to camp and play well to beat out like murray and, and Kuku, and who knows what nima linen or sam Rukov are gonna bring yeah either one of those guys could pass them on the depth charts in this 
like camp and get in there at the beginning of the year before he does. Yeah. I I love Niemelainen. Like I would love to see him. Just, I think everybody loves Niemelainen. He's what this defense kind of lacks. Yeah, big size. He's a guy who uses his big his, size. Yeah, throws that's his the body. important part. <laughs> so Jason Demers comes here on a PTO. Where was this guy when we wanted him back in twenty? Was it twenty fifteen, sixteen? I think it was around when we traded Hall for Larson or something. Yeah, like that, yeah, we were hot and heavy for him. Yeah, I was reading somewhere. Somebody had a comment. He's like, "I said that I wanted Hall and Demers over Lucic and Larson any day of the week." Yeah, yeah. I, we'll see how things shake out, but that's exciting. Um, Jake Bertanen. Signs of PTO. <laughs> You're looking at me with your eyebrows just raised. Well, I'm going to say first, okay. I think everybody knows at this point because of all the talk. It's really funny how everybody shut this down and said, like, no, nah, it's not going to happen. Yeah, all of the media weird. and everything. And now it's happened. So my thoughts are Vertanen just said, like, no thanks. And then he's like, couldn't find shit anywhere else. And then he's like, came crawling back to us. And he's like, please give me a PTO. <laughs> yeah. So it'll be interesting in terms of how it affects the city itself yes. and the team yes. because of some of the questionable things that Vertanen has done in the past. And that is not even to say that he is a good hockey player because personally, right. I don't think he is. But with that being said, I know you have some comments yeah. that you wanted to say well, on this. I, I agree. Like I, we've discussed at like the last podcast, how we, we don't really necessarily want him on the team. We don't know. And it's strictly from a hockey perspective. Like, I don't know if he has what we're lacking. Um, He doesn't fit what we need on this team. It's similar to the Sam Gagne situation where it's like, yeah, I would have loved to sign Sam Gagne, but he doesn't really fit the need of the team right now. Like, our top nine is essentially set, and his skill set doesn't fit, like, the fourth line. Yeah. Um, So I'm going to try my best to not get us canceled here. This is coming completely from my perspective, so if you guys want to... Tell me to go fuck myself. It's directed at me, not Sean. This is um, devil's advocate to yes, a degree that's, here. Exactly, so. exactly. And this isn't specifically for Jake Vertanen. I, I took away the last week the comments about, are we the bad guys? Like, is Edmonton just the um, like the team that, you know, lets anybody with any questionable morals? Are we the heel of the NHL? Yeah, now? exactly, exactly. Because I saw um, when the New Jerseys came out, someone just uh, took a prison uh, jumpsuit and just put an Oilers logo on it and put it in there. And so, I mean, it's orange. Yeah, good so work. This this PTO and again, this has this is more specific to the way that people are viewing the team and not Jake for Tannen. I don't know enough about what happened in the uh, um, the whole sexual assault case. I don't know. The only thing I know are the results from that. Whatever. Um, but I want to kind of flip the script on the the narrative that the Edmonton Oilers are just this team that lets everybody you know come over and. Whatever their questionable morals are. It's a little sketchy because you do have Bob Nicholson who ran a bunch of shitty things in Team Canada as we're learning. So we're just a team of mercenaries with questionable morals essentially is what this team is turning into. I'm well, quoting right now. I realize I'm yeah. talking while doing yeah. this, so I must say it. No. So I, I, in order to get like any kind of justification for my opinion here, I have to share a little bit about myself. Like I'm in recovery. I have an issue with alcohol. I have been working... Um, for the past two years to, to try and, you know, turn my life around. And the biggest thing that I'm grateful for in my life is the people that have stuck around me and given me a second chance to be there and people who, you know, give you that opportunity to succeed. And, and, you know, um, 
that's the biggest thing that I am grateful for. And so when I, I think that's why I get so defensive uh, of guys like um, Evander Kane, like Zach Cassian, because they come here, they're just looking for a chance to turn their life around and move on. Um, maybe it's Oilers rehab. I don't know. <laughs> we have a great rehab program here. So everybody wants to come here. So I, I don't know. I They're giving second chances. Obviously, if, if things come out, about uh, Jake Vertanen and, and everything that happened happened like rightfully so like this guy shouldn't be playing hockey but I, I don't know enough to go down that route I'd also like to throw out the caveat that you know who else had a sexual assault case that got thrown out fucking Kobe Bryant and he's the greatest player to ever live but that shit gets swept underneath the rug I digress. That shit's happened to a lot of players, too, exactly. to be fair. Did Patrick Kane have something similar happen with him? It's, yeah. Like, I will, I will say that I'm going to like come back a little bit from what I was saying mm-hmm. and I will sit and give him a second chance as a player and yes. hope that he can be the player yes that he can be if he actually finds a way to put it all together exactly without taking any of that into account because it's important to note that like he was acquitted yeah. or whatever on yeah. those charges so yeah. Nothing was ever proven, nothing like that. I'm not saying it didn't happen because of that, but that's, I digress. Exactly. So, yeah. and I don't want to be hypocritical because I was one of those people who was like, yeah, let's bring Kane on the team. Mm-hmm. But part of that was like, oh, yeah, he's a good player. So, mm-hmm. like, I don't want to be that guy who's like, I don't care if you're a good player, but if you're a bad player, then I care. Yeah. So, yeah. I'm hopeful that he's changed as a person. I'm hopeful he comes in. Yeah. And can be a great player and a great addition to the team in the locker room, all that. Yep. And that's pretty much all I can say at this point. I yeah. won't I won't disparage his person more than thousands and thousands of other people already have. <laughs> it's yeah, it's, it's everybody's got a voice on social media now and and it's easy to fuel a fire. Um so I I'm again I, I understand not guilty doesn't mean that he didn't do it. But um yeah, I, I, I won't go into that. Obviously, we don't condone sexual assault. That's not a fucking, not even a question. But, um, yeah, I, I just mean, I I don't want to say too much and, and, you know, get us canceled. But I'm just trying to put the devil's advocate out there that the Oilers, potentially, if they're doing it for the right reasons, are giving players opportunities to turn their lives around. That's all I'm trying to say out of this. Yeah. Well, it's not even thinking about it as, like, players to turn their lives around. Like, they're people. Exactly. It's like, you're giving people a second chance, and everybody should at least get a second chance. Yeah. Well, like, to prove that they're good people, and they're hardworking people, and I will give him that second chance. (laughs) When you think of rehab, you think of, like, those rooms, those padded walls they put you in, the locked doors and everything. What better place than to come to Edmonton where it's fucking 40 below for eight months of the year? <laughs> yeah. You're essentially in prison anyways. Yeah. So maybe that's part of the the settlement of that uh, court case he went to is like you must go to Edmonton <laughs> for the entire winter. The Oilers rehab. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we'll, we'll see what shakes out. I mean, ultimately, this could be a decision that in a couple weeks... Uh, is a moot point because exactly. they don't sign him. Exactly. Exactly. I don't know... Um, like it sounded from the the press conference he had today that he had a few different teams looking at him um but i'm I'm still of the opinion that he went to other teams and they said yeah no that's not gonna happen yeah but speaking of that interview i do want to say that he needs some practice on interviews (laughs) that was really really painful to listen to um i think specifically it was daniel nugent bowman who asked him he's like 
what what did he say? He's like I've. He was uh, he's talking. It's like what have you learned about yourself? Yeah, because he mentioned he's been learning a lot about himself. Yeah, I learned a lot process. about myself, and yeah, Daniel Dujabowman asked him like, what specifically have you learned about yourself in this time? He's like, a lot. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I learned a lot about myself and then just went on with all this generic stuff again and didn't answer the question at all. And then they just moved on. And the whole time I'm sitting there, I was like, what did he learn about himself? Like, nobody answered the question. But that that goes back to your point. Like, you got to hope that this guy is turning it around. And if he doesn't, yeah. like, if he hasn't learned anything. Yeah. Well, he was making it sound as though that he wants to keep some yes. of that private. Yes. Which is fair. Yeah. So, like, I'm not going to ask him to bring his personal life too much into the light with all this and like obviously people want to hear that because yeah. of some of the shit that's happened yeah so i respect that but at the same time you got to respect somebody's privacy to a degree yeah very true very true um but he needed to answer that better because that made me like my brain hurt <laughs> trying to figure out what just happened i wonder too because he had mentioned in the thing about how when he went to russia he went there and you know there was very little people that spoke english so uh, i wonder if he just hasn't yeah yeah, he just hasn't sp- spoken English in, like, months, and then he's back here, and he's like, oh, shit, how do I talk? Yeah, no kidding. Um, yeah, uh, I only had one other note. <laughs> this is going to be a shorter podcast, but, I mean, there's not a lot going on right now. Yeah, there wasn't that much news, but uh, it sucks that we're recording this today because they announced some of those uh, hall- those two Hall of Fame people tomorrow. Oh, so shit. So I was, like, so kind of sad that we weren't recording t- tomorrow or oh, they didn't damn. announce it today. I was like, it would have been perfect timing. Oh, so we're taking bets here. It's going to be Smitty, and it's going to be... Ty Conklin. <laughs> Ty Conklin. <laughs> uh, the, uh, what the hell, the, the Winter Classic, like, veteran. How many games did he has he played in of those? Ty Conklin? Yeah. I think he has the record for playing in, like, yeah. four or five or something like that. Yeah, most Winter Classic games. Let's find out. The Google machine is calculating... I think it's Ty Conklin, right? It's got to be. I thought it was. I thought he played one for with Detroit, one with Edmonton. One with Pittsburgh. With Pittsburgh, one with Chicago maybe. Because he kind of, after he left Edmonton, he turned into a real journeyman and went to like yeah. five or six different teams in like eight years. Yeah, it um, looks like three three games. Uh, well, the Edmonton game, Pittsburgh, and Detroit, yeah. Okay, so not Chicago. But yeah. point still stands, Ty Conklin. They beat Chicago if that counts. Do we hate Ty Conklin? We don't not hate him. That's true. That's very true. That's a, that's one thing. I was watching the rookie game, and I, somebody, I can't remember who was wearing uh, number 47, and all I could think was Marc-Andre Bergeron. Every time he touched the pocket, it was driving me insane. <laughs> oh, he still has one of the, like, nastiest hits. I don't know if you remember this, but uh, there was someone coming up the wall, and he just buckled him and, like, uh, hip-checked him, and he went end over end, like ass over tea kettle in the air. Oh, it's one of the nicest hits I've ever seen in my life. You know, we're giving people PTSD, though, talking about Marc-Andre. Oh, Benjamin my God, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not a good combo <laughs> for people to talk about right now. But what was what was your note that you had there? Did we just talk about it? Or you said you no, had no, no. for a little No, 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 no. Okay. <laughs> um, I find it funny, but uh, maybe it's not ha-ha funny. Um, the saddle, though, is falling apart. Oh, is it? <laughs> yeah. They, what, uh, what happened? There's, there's a bunch of engineer uh, engineers. They uh, wrote a report up, but there's cracking going on up at the one of the structural beams up at the top. Yeah, it's starting to crack. So they're it, it said it's deteriorating at an accelerated rate. Wow, sounds like the Edmonton LRTs coming up. <laughs> Pretty exciting. So do we have the Houston Flames? Uh, is it time? 
if they don't build a new arena, honestly, yeah. If there is a new arena in Arizona before there is in Calgary, like, I think the owners of Calgary need to stop being cheap asses for one. Yeah. And because there's no way they're getting money out of that city, especially no. with the mayor there. But yeah, they need to figure that out if Calgary doesn't want to lose their team, honestly. Well, and Vetman came to us, did he not? And say, if you guys don't build a new team, we're moving your. I was under the impression that's, that's what had happened. Yeah. Um, and I think that will probably happen to them too if they don't be careful. Yeah. Because I think Calgary has pretty decent attendance numbers. Yeah. So I don't think that's necessarily the problem. It's just the fact that that arena is dog shit, and it's kind of embarrassing for the league at this point. It'd be nice, too, because then we collectively as a province can hate Vancouver. Yes. That'd be nice. Yes, I agree. <laughs> I agree. We hate Vancouver. Agreed. Let's just amalgamate the teams. No. No? I refuse to be associated with Calgary in any way. <laughs> How dare you even suggest that? You wouldn't want Huberto on your top line with McDavid and Dreisaitl? He hasn't played around? a game for Calgary yet, that's so true. yes. <laughs> If he plays a game for Calgary, then no. Okay, that's fair. It's like if Markstrom wanted to come here and be like, no. Oh, no, fuck that guy. Yeah, it's because he's played for Calgary already. I guess. I think it's because he turned on the contract offer that I hate him. Well, I think we all just hate all Calgary. That's true. That's true. But nice to know that Connor McDavid's uh, goal did more damage than we expected. (laughs) Apparently. (laughs) That that team just completely fell apart, and then they had to repair it just because Edmonton beat them in the playoffs. They're like, get me the fuck out of here. (laughs) This is embarrassing. Uh, speaking of getting the fuck out of here, that'll do it for uh, episode 15. There's really 15? nothing going on this week, eh? Yeah, there's fuck all. It's it, weird. Because next next week, like, preseason starts. Next Sunday, oh, I think, is the first game. Yeah, I think you're right. So. Um, That's pretty exciting. I, I cannot I, wait. Yeah. It'd be nice to, to catch some of those games. Can't wait to be busy every night again. <laughs> Have something to do. Yes, that's true. That is very true. All right, with that... We'll see you next week.